Introduction. Would Jesus recognize in our modern churches the faith which he labored to preach and teach nearly 2,000 years ago? Would Paul, the commissioned agent of Jesus Christ, be welcome in contemporary congregations? For the occasional churchgoer, in my own country of origin, Britain, this is especially true, Christianity has become little more than an acquaintance with a crib in Bethlehem and a babe in a manger, a helpless infant whose birth story evokes a seasonal emotional response. For others, allegiance to official Christianity is important, though it is seldom informed by serious study of the Bible. For many, Jesus' adult ministry remains largely irrelevant to current problems. Nominal Christianity in its various forms can hardly be reckoned as a deep involvement with the one who demanded uncompromising devotion from his disciples and who died for his faith as well as for the world's failure to know the true God. Millions across the world claim to be following the Jesus revealed in the Bible. But what sense can we make of a church represented by hundreds of differing groups, all professing to hold the faith of Jesus and the apostles? We are confronted with a state of ecclesiastical confusion so perplexing that we might expect a widespread alarm at such obvious departure from the New Testament ideal for the body of Christ. Yet churches seem to conduct their business as usual with little awareness of the self-contradiction implied by the denominational factions which rend their unity. A divided church continues to be the most powerful barrier against defective evangelism, defined in the New Testament as the spreading of the good news or gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. Acts 8 verse 12. A leading New Testament scholar put the point forcefully when he said, disunity is disobedience to the commandment of love and is the same thing as unbelief. 1 John 5, 1 to 3. Church unity is not a desirable feature in the life of the church. It's a condition of the church's existence, a test of whether the church is the church. A divided church is a contradiction of its own nature as church. It is witnessing to a falsehood. Its evangelism cannot be effective. Jesus prayed, quote, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in unity with me and I with you, that they also may be in unity with us, that the world may know that you sent me. John 17, verse 21, and compare with that John 17, verse 23. If we took the New Testament point of view seriously, we would expect to find that the single most serious obstacle to the evangelization of the world is the disunity of the churches. That's from Alan Richardson's An Introduction to the Theology of the New Testament in 1958. Presumably, Christians do want to take the New Testament seriously. The problem posed by the scandal of a permanently divided church 
ought indeed to engage their earnest attention. How can the one faith be proclaimed when it obviously is not one faith? Nor can it be argued that the differences between the groups concern the finer points of theological definition only. There are fundamental and long-standing issues at stake, as is proved by the persistent failure of the denominations to settle their differences. It is a pleasant illusion to suppose that all these separated Christian groupings are really one in spirit and truth. A supermarket issuing a single procedures manual for use in its 400 branches would be astonished to find that its instructions were being implemented in hundreds of different ways. The problem would suggest either a lack of clarity in the manual or a lack of understanding in those attempting to follow it. A troubleshooter would be dispatched to see where things had gone wrong. A close comparison between the manual and the practices of the employees would reveal how so many divergent procedures had arisen from a single blueprint. Christians are supplied with an account of the apostolic faith as it was transmitted by eyewitnesses to the ministry of Jesus and his resurrection. A close investigation of the information recorded in those unique documents ought to teach believers where they've gone wrong. Details of the original faith have been carefully compiled for us in the works of Luke, the physician, John, the disciple whom Jesus specially admired, and Paul, the intrepid convert who shook the Roman world with his proclamation of a resurrected Saviour destined to rule the world. Can it really be that the best efforts of those intelligent witnesses to convey to us the teaching of their Lord must founder in the chaos of hundreds of versions of the faith? Paul's assessment of the contemporary religious scene can be measured by his horror at three conflicting parties within the church at Corinth. He made no attempt to conceal his intolerance of the disunity which threatened to destroy Christian witness. I entreat you, my brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all to speak the same thing. I desire that there be no divisions among you, that you show perfect harmony of mind and judgment. There is one body and one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of us all. That's 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 and Ephesians 4 verses 4 and 5. His statement brings before us the simple ideal from which the churches have fallen. Has Christianity failed then? Has its original purity been lost? How much of the real historical Jesus and his message is known in the churches which bear the name of Christ? It cannot be denied that from the one, quote, faith once delivered to the saints, Jude 3, many so-called faiths have sprung. We cannot believe that the Christian scriptures are responsible for a fragmented church. 
The problem must lie elsewhere. In order to detect it, we must look closely at the original Christian documents. We must hold up contemporary versions of the faith against the light of apostolic teaching. As we read the Bible, we must strenuously try to rid ourselves of denominational bias and traditional presupposition. We must, above all, read the documents in their historical setting, hearing them, so to speak, as they would have been heard in their own unique and very Jewish context. We must be constantly on guard against tradition unexamined and uncritically accepted as true to the Bible. We shall contend that subtle influences have worked to blur our vision of the original faith and that in the ensuing confusion, the divided churches have lost sight of the central Christian message that, so to speak, glue, which bonds the entire scriptural revelation into a coherent whole and points so certainly to a guiding hand in history. We do not believe the message to be irretrievably lost, merely buried under a rubble of traditional misconceptions and awaiting rediscovery by those whose desire is to seek and find the truth. To that task, inviting the reader's critical evaluation, we dedicate the following chapters.